Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is the Asian Madness Podcast. A podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hello all and welcome to another episode of the Asian Madness Podcast. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I know last year this time, we all probably thought life would be back to the way it used to be by now, but I guess not. I would say things may take on a new normal, not the kind we were familiar with. Nothing wrong with that though, since we're humans and we constantly have to adapt to our surroundings and find ways to make it work. Hopefully you're all doing well and staying safe though. That's really important to me, even if I don't know all of you personally. I do feel like I have a bond with some of you, despite being super far away and never having met most of you in person. Anyway, enough sentimental chit-chat for now. Today's case was suggested to me by a listener a while back, so thank you Melvin from Facebook. This case is, again, pretty awful as they usually tend to be, and it also includes different countries and nationalities. Please note that there will be mentions of some extreme violence and harm done to the human body, but at this point, I'm going to assume that at least 99% of you are going to be okay with that. This case sort of reminds me of the Catherine Knight case from The Land Down Under, and you will see why pretty soon. This is the case of a trans woman who was murdered by her boyfriend, who then made the choice to kill himself rather than face justice. Her name is Mayang Prasetyo. Let's begin. Before we get into the actual case, allow me to introduce Mayang Prasetyo. Mayang Prasetyo was not always known as Mayang Prasetyo. Before she was Mayang, she was actually known as Febri, an Indonesian boy who had two younger sisters. I don't have too much information on Mayang slash Febri's childhood, but from my basic math calculations, she was probably born around 1987, same as me. Febri was from one of the Indonesian islands, Sumatra, where he lived with his two sisters and mother. Despite what you may think about Asians being very conservative and less aware of gender issues, his mother was actually extremely chill and accepting, which I definitely find praiseworthy and fascinating. She always felt that her son was a lot more feminine compared to other boys, and growing up, he definitely was constantly hanging out with girls rather than boys. Obviously not in a ladies' man kind of way, but more like a my best friends are girls kind of way. Despite noticing this difference in her son, his mother did not care. 
She wanted him to be happy, and if this is how he felt about himself, then so be it. February was always a good son to his mother, very polite and caring, constantly thinking about his family and trying to help them. None of this changed when he decided to undergo a transition. He went from being a great son to a great daughter. To her mother, this was not an issue, and life went on. February changed his name to Mayang Prasetyo, Mayang after a famous Indonesian singer, and Prasetyo after an ex-boyfriend of hers. If she's willing to name herself after an ex, I'm going to assume the relationship was pretty memorable. Imagine naming yourself or your kid after someone you hate. It would be like a constant reminder of that person. Sounds terrible. Let's now introduce another person into this mix. Marcus Volk was a couple years older than Mayang, presumably born around 1985 or 1986. He grew up in a town called Haddon, just outside of the city of Ballarat in Victoria, Australia. It was a smallish town in comparison to big cities, population around 90,000 people. People knew people, and according to sources, his family was a well-respected family. His father ran a karate dojo in town, and Marcus himself would also take karate classes, eventually achieving the black belt level. He was one of those ordinary millennial guys, and I mean that in a very neutral way. He liked playing video games, he liked Star Wars, he liked animals, he was both into humans and animal rights, and was health and fitness conscious. One specific thing about him was that he liked to cook. I would assume he must have been pretty decent at it because he did do some cooking for work, and eventually, he told his family that he was going on an adventure. He said that he found work as a chef on a cruise ship so he would be able to continue his passion for cooking, earn money, and sail around the world. Sounds quite exciting, right? Except, none of it was true. He instead began working as a male escort at a brothel. Now, back to Mayang. Mayang eventually fully transitioned into a woman and left her home in Indonesia. She arrived in Melbourne, Australia, and began working as a high-class sex worker at a brothel called the Pleasure Dome, a place that described itself as, quote, finest of sex, premium male and transsexual agency, unquote. The money was good, and despite the industry, she was well paid and received a decent level of protection from her employer. I can't say for sure if the work she was doing was illegal or not, but Mayan did seem to have a good relationship with her employer, and they also were in it to provide a great experience, not only for their customers, but also to their workers. The brothel itself was legal, but not so sure about whether it was legal for her to work there or not. Working as a freelancer sex worker may sound appealing to some people as you get to keep all the money, but the fact is that in this specific line of work, Many women and workers tend to face abuse and drugs or other legal ramifications when they do not have an employer looking out for them. So in a sense, working in this place as a sex worker was the best idea for Mayang. Anyway, it was here at Pleasure Dome where Mayang met Marcus. The two pretty much bonded and pretty soon things began to take a turn. It's unclear as to how it happened, but after the two became close... They both decided to quit their work at the Pleasure Dome. Some believe that Marcus was the one who convinced Mayang to leave, and it was done so for selfish reasons. The money she made would help support him and pay off his debts, 
So, like I said, it might be a quicker way to earn more money, but the downside is you have less protection. Regardless of his alleged intentions, the two became a couple and life went on. Mayang and Marcus spent some time in Denmark between the years 2012 and 2013, both traveling and working as high-class escorts. And while they were there, Marcus and Mayang contacted Mayang's mother to let her know that they had plans to get married. After the two were wed, Mayang took Marcus back to her hometown in Indonesia so he could meet her family. Like I mentioned, Marcus was seemingly normal. He was kind to Mayang's family. He cooked for them went out with them, was very willing to explore and try new things. He was a hit. Mayang's family loved this guy. He was sweet, open to their culture, and seemed to be a great guy overall. What could possibly go wrong? Well, here's the thing. Mayang was known to be quite the jealous type. Passionate, but prone to jealousy and anger. Marcus himself was also said to have had a bit of a temper himself, But I mean, most of us do. Obviously, there are things that piss us off, but it comes down to how we handle these things and whether or not we can control our emotions. For some reason, these two seemingly normal people can cause quite the scene when together. They were oftentimes seen or heard fighting loudly, angry at each other and whatnot. I don't necessarily think it's wrong or bad when couples fight, because every couple is different. But if they fight constantly and angrily and don't try to fix the issue, the relationship will very likely only get more volatile and more aggressive. The couple probably seemed pretty loving and normal to outsiders, but the reality was kind of far from that. Marcus had lied to his family about working on a cruise ship, and they also had no idea he worked as an escort and that he was married. When others did ask them about their relationship, Marcus would tell them that they met while working on a cruise ship, him as a chef and her as a dancer. Marcus also had a spending problem, it seemed. He had racked up about $9,000 on his credit card, and he couldn't pay it. So this is where marriage comes in. Mayang and Marcus struck a deal. She would use her earnings to help him pay back his debt, and the two would get married so she could obtain her Australian citizenship. I don't know if this was their plan all along from the start, or maybe the idea came up afterwards. At this point, it's kind of hard to tell what kind of relationship they really had going on, whether it was a genuine relationship with love or a let's-help-each-other-out kind of relationship, or maybe something in between, or both. After their trip to Indonesia, the couple returned to Australia in August of 2013 and settled down in Tenerife a suburb located in Brisbane, Queensland. The apartment complex was a modern and newly built apartment, probably pricey as well. That meant it was time to start making more money. Mayang resumed her work as a private sex worker, and Marcus began to help with the advertising. One of their ads read, Better in real life, pictures are always real. Real deal pre-op functional hot TS with a great fit and hot body to enjoy, unquote. I bet some of you are wondering about the prices, and it is definitely not cheap. The prices range from $200 for 30 minutes and can go up to $500 per hour. That's a lot of money if she gets work every single day, or multiple clients a day. 
This is what I'm talking about. The allure of working independently, where all the money goes into your pocket. But in this case, most of it seemed to go to Marcus. Of course, Marcus himself was also up for work and wanted to make money. His profile name was Heath XL, I guess, meaning he had a big dick or something, and then described himself as, quote, young, sexy Australian boy, unquote. Although the couple made good money, Mayang was eventually getting a bit homesick and had thoughts about returning home to Indonesia. In September of 2014, Mayang had messaged one of her friends back in Indonesia, asking about rent prices and such. She had recently purchased a couple of pugs and was thinking of taking them back with her so she could breed them and probably sell the puppies. She was a dog lover, so this idea wasn't really crazy or anything, just very different from her work as an escort. The Asian Madness Podcast is brought to you by Ritual, something important we should talk about as women, since most of my listeners are probably women. As we all know, trying to live life, work, have friends, eat well, and getting all your nutrients in can be a really huge task. We're all busy. I get it. So it's really easy to ignore parts of your life when it comes to your health and your well-being. This is where ritual comes in. Did you know that a large percentage of adult women are not getting enough vitamin D and omega-3? Yeah, I bet a lot of us didn't know that. Ritual's Essential Multivitamin has been heavily researched and is used to help improve brain health, bone health, blood health, and all those other things that can help with overall health. Those that have tried Ritual have reported an increase in both vitamin D and omega-3 levels in around 12 weeks. I find that quite fascinating. My mother called me recently and continued to nag me about taking vitamin D. And I was very relieved to be able to tell her that I'm working on it. Crisis averted. These vitamins are, of course, non-GMO, vegan-friendly, and with very transparent ingredients. Meaning, no weird chemicals that can end up ruining our bodies. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Asian and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Asian. During the months the newlywed couple lived in that fancy apartment in Brisbane, their neighbors would occasionally hear them yelling at each other and fighting. Not sure if anyone tried to report them to the police or if they tried knocking and asking them to cool it, but from what I've gathered, it seemed as if most people tried to stay out of it. I don't really blame them, because who knows what could happen. The last thing you want is to get in between two angry people and get injured. The couple got into it again in the early morning of October 3rd, 2014, at around 1.30am, and this time for the last time. Neighbors reportedly heard shouting and screaming, things along the line of, fuck you, and I can't believe you, and something about chores. Hard to tell what their fight was about, but my guess would be either money, her intentions to leave Australia, or some sort of jealousy issue. After that intense fight, there was silence. Things were quiet, and life went on. Mayang Prasetyo was never seen in the apartment complex ever again. Marcus eventually left the apartment at around 6pm on October 3rd, the evening after their big fight. 
he drove to a supermarket, Woolworth, and made a very suspicious combo purchase of the following items. Gloves, bleach, a scrubber, garbage bags, wipes, and a laundry tub. As true crime podcast listeners, I bet many of us would probably raise an eyebrow or two at these items. But even if it does seem a bit suspect, no one is going to ask them, Oh, disposing of a body, I see. Or you might, jokingly. Awkward. Anyway, he then drove back home, called a cab to the Royal Brisbane Hospital. He told the doctors that he had a fight with his girlfriend the previous night. She went crazy and threatened him with a knife. As for his injury, he had hurt himself while trying to grab the knife out of her hands. Kind of alarming, and I wonder what the doctors and nurses thought to themselves when they heard this. Maybe it happens more often than we think. And plus, there really is nothing else indicating that somebody else was hurt. Either way, he got himself all patched up nice and dandy and was soon on his merry way home. The following day, October 4th, around noontime, he took another trip to Big W, an Australian discount department store, and bought himself a meat cleaver. Pretty sure you know where this is going. Allow me to fast forward a few hours to the evening of October 4th, after he purchased the meat cleaver. Marcus Volk made a call to Positive Power, a 24-hour electrical service provider requesting assistance. Here's a short reenactment of the call that Marcus made to the man who answered the phone, Brad Coyne. Uh, g'day, is this the 24-hour electrician? Yeah, I've got a bit of a problem. Um, I was cooking on my stove. It's an electric stove. And the stock boiled over, dripped down, and um, got in the oven. And it basically made this big bang and all my power turned off. Does it sound like something you'd be able to fix today? Brad Coyne arrived at the apartment shortly after. And as soon as he arrived, he noticed a stench. It was an overwhelming smell. A mixture of cleaning products, rotting meat, and trash. Marcus tried to assure Brad about the smell, though, because, you know, he's so thoughtful. You have to mind the smell. Sure, Marcus. Brad also noticed that the apartment was completely trashed. Garbage bags, cleaning products, household items. It probably smelled so bad that Brad Coyne worked as fast as he could just so he could get the hell out of there quicker. Unfortunately, though, his job required him to be thorough, so he had to check the bathroom's electrical circuit as well as fix the oven and stove. On the electrical stove top sat a huge pot. Its contents, supposedly pig feet stew, had boiled over and had made a mess on the kitchen floor. Brad also casually noted a puddle of blood that had pooled under the fridge. Seriously, poor dude. He must have felt so uncomfortable as none of this seemed very normal. And how do I know he felt like this wasn't normal? Brad ran into the building manager as soon as he left Marcus's apartment. He told the manager that he felt like something wasn't right, and it's best if they took a look around. At this point, the building manager had already received a few complaints from other tenants regarding the smell, and he knew that he had to take action. He called the police. Two police officers arrived later that night, to conduct a welfare check. It was just suspicious activity. They had no idea any sort of crime had been committed, 
so they were pretty laid back about it first. They knocked on the door. Marcus came and opened it. The police officers explained that they were doing a welfare check and that his building was concerned about him and the smell coming from his apartment. At this point, the police officers could already smell it as well, and they knew it was probably going to end up complicated. Surprisingly, Marcus was also extremely chill about the whole thing. He invited them in and told them that, Oh, feel free to look around, but let me quickly check on my dogs real quick. Yes, they did have dogs. Two pugs, remember? But he certainly wasn't checking on them. He made a run for it. The police already had a weird feeling about this whole thing, so they immediately tried to take after him when they realized he had run away. After calling for backup, the two officers returned to the apartment to see what they could find, and man, it was something out of a nightmare. The pot that had boiled over reeked of death, and inside, they found a pair of human feet. Initially, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was October already, so it had to be a joke. A prank? Something to be used later for Halloween decorations? Nope. Those belonged to Mayang. They continued to search other parts of the apartment and found other parts of Mayang stuffed in the washing machine in the bathroom, including her head. The situation obviously quickly escalated, and the police were on it, along with their canine squad. After looking around for some time, the dogs eventually came up with something. They found a faint trail of blood. This eventually led the officers to an industrial bin a few streets over. And inside the bin, they found a dead Marcus Volk. He had slit his own throat while he was on the run, and died soon after he settled in the bin. What a freaking nightmare. So, this case is pretty straightforward, I believe. Two people got entangled in a very volatile relationship that was further complicated with money, sex, and different cultural backgrounds. Marcus presumably killed Mayang during their final argument in the early morning of October 3rd, and then proceeded to get supplies at different stores so he could dismember her and get rid of evidence. I don't know why he thought cooking her was the best idea. Also, the fact that he called and asked an electrician to come and fix his power is so strange. This dude is either completely out of it or is too confident and cocky. Sources stated that when Marcus tried to leave Mayang, she had threatened to expose his sex work to his family, who had been in the dark this entire time. Maybe she said this after she helped him pay off her debts, and it angered her that he was seemingly using her. I obviously don't know the full story, and the only two that do know are now dead. He will never have to face his crimes. He will never have to face his own family. And he will never have to explain anything to Mayang's family. As for the electrician that came to fix his power, he must have been so relieved he didn't try to find out what was going on while he was in the apartment. Who knows if Marcus would have tried to kill him then and there. Once news got out of what had happened, Marcus Volk's family was 100% shocked. I actually do feel sorry for them. They are the victims too, in a sense. They had no idea this was going on. They had no idea their son would be capable of doing anything remotely close to this. They did say that Marcus rarely visited, but they chalked that up to his work on a cruise ship. Either they never really asked him too much about it, or he purposely tried to avoid the subject. 
Ma Yang's mother was understandably distraught. Her daughter, who had left home to seek a better life so she could send her family money, was not only dead, but brutally murdered and dismembered. It was probably extra shocking because she was actually very fond of Marcus. Quote, I have to let it go. I have forgiven. No demands whatsoever or a revengeful feeling. Because I love Marcus, just like I love Ma Yang. Unquote. I applaud her for this. I don't know if I would be so forgiving if I were in her shoes. I also mentioned earlier that Marcus was passionate about human rights and women's rights. Sounds very ironic at this point, though. He had once commented the words, champion mate, on a post about a man who was beat up for defending a group of women. I guess in theory he may have been an ally, but in practice, not so much. There were concerns regarding the police officers that paid Marcus a visit, though. Was his suicide preventable? If the police hadn't returned to the apartment, could Marcus have been taken alive? This must have been such a shocking situation, though, and I bet those two officers had no idea what was in store for them when they initially responded to the call. After a brief investigation into the actions of the police officers, they were soon deemed, quote, authorized, justified, and supported, unquote, by the law. In other words, the police officers followed protocol and that, quote, there was nothing further they could have done at the time, unquote. Do you think this was the best outcome for Marcus? Or would it have been better if he was caught and thrown into prison? I do wonder what his state of mind was, though. How he could so calmly go through the motions of buying tools, dismembering and cooking her, going to the hospital to get patched up, and calling up an electrician. Maybe he just didn't care anymore. Maybe he was okay being caught. Maybe he wanted to be caught. Police did find records of Marcus visiting a doctor only weeks prior to the murder, though. And the records stated that he had feelings of depression, anxiety, and insomnia. While I believe he knew what he did was wrong, I also believe he may have been plagued with mental health issues. Not saying that's an excuse for his actions. That's never an excuse, but it definitely matters. So there you have it. The brutal murder-suicide case of Marianne Pasetio and her husband, Marcus Volk. I cannot even begin to imagine the fear and pain Marianne had to face when she realized Marcus was going to kill her. It's not really clear as to how she was killed though, since when she was found, she had already been dismembered and parts of her cooked. This was a case of domestic violence at its worst, yes, and some people have wondered if it had anything to do with Marianne being a trans woman. It's really hard for me to say, because Marcus seemed to know about it since the start, but I also know that while he may seem to be accepting and okay with it, he could definitely have used it against her during heated arguments. This is just me speculating, though. Obviously not facts, but maybe something to consider. Also, do you see how this case reminds me of Catherine Knight? I bet you do. Special thanks to Adam P. for playing the voice of Marcus in that reenactment. Of course, he did a great job. Thank you, mate. And thank you all again for tuning in to this episode. Wasn't pleasant, but then again, most of my episodes aren't really pleasant. Please stay safe out there, friends. Be alert. And of course, as always, be kind. Till next time. Before I go, I'd like to thank my Patreon and reviewers... 
Thank you to Amir Hakim, David Allen, Javier Jaime, Jenny B for their very generous donations on Patreon. And for the review, the Container Store, Matrix C73, and Aliyah1234567289 from the US. And also Dead Eggs, Eggs? Yeah, from Canada. Your reviews and your kind words mean so much to me. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.